Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast. This is Mike Costello, your host, and we are diving into episode nine. We've been enjoying the bear series for the last several episodes, and we're going to take a little pause here on the bear series to talk about deer hunting. Deer season is in full swing in California with A-Zone currently open. We've got the D-Zone opener and most of the B-Zone opening up um, about four weeks from now. And so deer are on my mind. I I don't feel like I'm getting out doing enough scouting, uh, but I do have a bank of of scouting and and hunting experience in a couple zones that I'm going to rely on this season. Um, so I do have a few more scouting trips, a couple one day trips and a, and a, and a two day trip to get back into the, uh, the areas I'm planning on hunting. So anyways, I'm excited about deer season coming up. Um, I am still excited about bear season too. Uh, the bear series will continue after this podcast. Uh, I've got, I think two more episodes to, to knock out for the, uh, the bear series, and then we'll be getting into full full speed ahead on, on deer hunting throughout the state, uh, for the next month or two after that. Um, going into this episode, we've got somebody that you probably know as the Sierra stalker on Instagram. Uh, he's one of the, the, I think one of the best, uh, and most consistent hunters in the state in terms of what you can find and follow on Instagram. Um, he's not super prolific in terms of social media, but what he does put out there is consistent uh and it's it's year round so he shares scouting uh successes he shares some of his hunting successes he shares uh his training some of his offices and training and and you kind of can pick up from what what uh he shares online uh you can pick up his philosophy and his approach to hunting and it's it's really enjoyable content so i'm excited to have doug dreher on the podcast today um note that there is some audio um, difficulties towards the last, say, third of the podcast. Um, we're going to clean it up the best we can, but you may have to ride through it with us a little bit because what he's got to say is is really solid, and it's just a function of uh, the fact that Doug lives in the hills, and he lives close to the habitat and close to the animals, and so sometimes the uh the digital connections are not as solid as we want but uh stick with it and enjoy the podcast uh thanks for being here you can follow and engage uh the podcast and myself on instagram that's probably the best place right now um for for following uh updates to the podcast and also just reaching out with questions or comments etc um Instagram handle for hunting ain't easy is hunting ain't easy at Instagram. So super easy and look forward to seeing you there on the, uh, the social media side of things. Let's go ahead and get into episode nine with hunting ain't easy and Doug Dreher, also known as the Sierra stalker. Hey everybody, welcome to the hunting ain't easy podcast. And, uh, we're going to pump the brakes on the bear series for a few minutes here. Um, deer season is is kicking up with the A zone open and with most of the D and B zones opening up for archery in just about four weeks. So 
I've got I've got high alpine bucks and I've got timber timber bucks on on my mind. And so I'm really happy to have uh, with me on the podcast today. Um, you probably know him as the Sierra Stalker. I've got Doug Dreher, who is. Um, we don't. I don't know if we have any celebrity deer hunters in California. We have a few, but um, I would say that Doug, since I've been following him on on Instagram, his handle against the Sierra Stalker, he's probably one of the most kind of steady, consistent, um, and successful hunters that I like to follow, uh, both in his off season pursuits in terms of scouting and, uh, staying fit and family balance and whatnot, but also of course, what he gets done during the season. So, um, I gotta tell you, Doug, I've had a couple of people reach out to me directly today saying, could you just get like his top three to five tactics? <laughs> and my response is I'm going to put a GoPro on his shoulder <laughs> because I want to see what the heck he's doing and see it through his eyes if I could for a season. So Doug, um, welcome to the podcast. And I'm super stoked about having you here because I'm selfishly, I want to learn uh, what those three to five t tips are and, and also hear, hear some hunting stories and, and talk about you know, where you like to go, how you like to do it and whatnot. All right. Well, thanks for, for having me on. That was quite the, uh, <laughs> the, the introduction there. I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm not a professional by, by any means. Um, but you know, I try and I, I try my best and, uh, I just get out every, every second I can and, and take advantage of, uh, what we have to offer here in, in the state. Yeah, which I think is uh, something that more people should be doing, because um, this this state is, uh, is there's a lot of opportunity in this state. And I don't think it's quite as bad as it gets portrayed. So, no, I don't think it is either. I think um, I think there's more deer out there than we know. I think flip side is there's there's a lot of deer that have been taken off the landscape through bad habitat management and predators but you know in the moment today we can't fix that with a snap of our finger so we've got what we've got and then we have to figure out how to how to make it work for us and, and enjoy the process too i mean i've been out there for four years now and i think what i've what i'm wondering i'm, I'm guessing you grew up hunting more so than say me um because i think it takes like a hundred days at least to even get to where you can kind of see like your eyes tune in to what the landscape's even telling you where the deer might be. And that means if you start, you know, when you're 50 years old, but you only go out five days a year, it's going to take you 20 years. If you start when you're 10 years old and you go out 10, 10 days a year and you've got a mentor, you know, a, a family member that's a mentor to teach you, then by the time you're 20, you've got those hundred days in the book or in the bank. So how, how, how did you, you know, have you been hunting for a while? And, and, and that's kind of how you've, you've gotten to build up this, the success pattern. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and no, um, I mean, I got my hunting license when I was 12 years old and I'm mm -hmm. 42 now. So I've been, you know, been at it for, for 30 years. Um, but I would say, you know, there was a, a good chunk of that time where I, I was just like a lot of other hunters and just walking around in the woods looking for mm -hmm. deer without mm -hmm. really um just just kind of walking aimlessly just hoping to find deer 
you know, um, <clears throat> before I finally really decided that I wanted to dive into it and, and, and figure it out more. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I struggled for, for, for many years. Um, but yeah, I come from a hunting family. Um, you know, I've been along on hunting trips since I was probably, you know, five, six years old with my dad. And I said, got, got my hunting license and my first deer tag, my first deer I got when I was 12. Nice. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, I've just, I don't know what it's been since I was a little kid. I've just always been fascinated by deer and just always loved deer hunting. And, and it just got, it just really got to me at a certain point where I just, I just wanted to keep learning more and more and more. And, uh, I just kind of started hunting with more of a purpose and, in a trying to be more strategic and, and trying to, um, just try and figure it out. You know, not just trying to find a deer, but just trying to figure out like what what's going on out there. Like, what what are these deer doing? Mm-hmm. And I and I know you you talked about and experienced it. You know, when mm-hmm. I started out young, it's like you go out there and and you'll find tons of sign trails, tracks, but finding the deer sometimes is just they're like ghosts. They they really are. Yep. And uh, so it just it just really bugged me to a point where I just had to had to really start trying to figure it out. And, uh, and that really didn't hit me until about 10 years ago that I really started, you know, just diving in deep. I mean, there was a, there was a few, uh, life changing, uh, events that, that kind of led me back to here, um, to, to really start hunting the Sierras more. I I did Uh it a lot when I was younger, uh, with, with literally no success, (laughs) none whatsoever. I mean, I, I remember I I used to go up when I was like a teenager in high school and uh, and just just struggled for many years and basically gave up and then once i finally got reestablished here in, in uh in my hometown and uh, started a family and it uh you know i it was it was the closest easiest hunting for me and and so i just really kind of started diving into it and wanted to learn more about it it just all finally started coming together about 10 years ago for me but I, I never really had, uh, you know, my, I see my dad hunted, um, uh, my brother took me a lot more than my, my dad was just like a one week a year type of hunter. He got mm-hmm. his ear tag and he would do his one week hunt and that was it. My, my brother drug me around a lot more, um, kind of got me into it a little bit more, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it, a lot more of the hunting in the foothills when okay. I was younger because there was more deer and it was just, it was easier hunting, but. I really got drawn to the mountain hunting too later on in life. And I did a lot of that out of state before I finally started doing, getting back into it more here. Got it. So when you say you were, you would go up into the mountains when you were younger and struggle, are you talking like, you know, high Alpine backcountry type hunting and, and what, yeah, not so you, much just, that. you just weren't seeing deer or, or, or you were seeing them and you weren't able to connect or what was the, what was the struggle there? Uh, just that you would, I would see some deer here and there, but just, you know, wandering through the woods, trying to find a deer here mm-hmm. in this high country. It's so dry. It's so noisy walking around. And it's just, I, I, I struggled to get close to anything. I mean, mm-hmm. I would see a few deer here and there, but I never saw anything bigger than a forked horn. You know, I just, and then I would try and, you know, put a stock on them and always spook them. And that, you know, that was it. Like it was, it was just, uh, you know, and like I said, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. That, you know, I was doing that and, I mean, it, by all uh, 
records. You know, there, there was more deer then than there is now. And I was struggling then with, with there, with there being more deer. (laughs) So go go figure, but whether it's, uh, whether there really was, you know, a lot more deer then than there is now, which I feel like there was, but you know, what I see now, uh, you know, really has opened up my eyes to, you know, what, uh, what could have been 20 years ago. Um, it seems like you've got, I mean, it seems like you're at a point now where you, you know enough places to go and you also know what to do to where you can see, you can see deer pretty much almost, you know, almost every time you go out, um, you know, intentionally, it's not, you're not just bumping into them. It's, it's intentional. What were, what were some of the things when you decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to solve this riddle. I'm going to put the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, I call it my chess, my personal chess match, whatever it's an intentional approach to solving a problem, you know, gathering the, gathering the information, arranging it, and then solving it. What were the pieces that started to fall into place for you? Or what, how'd you know that you were, you were getting closer and it was starting to evolve to where you, you had, you know, the strategy that could work for you? Well, for, for many years I hunted, you know, one, one particular area. Um, And I, I would often see deer, and this was like kind of this was probably going back about 15 years ago. I I had found an area that you know was 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 working for me. I was seeing deer, but I just wasn't able to to capitalize on on any of the opportunities. And I want to say it was like 2011. I I stumbled into a buck and I shot him. It was mm-hmm. just a fork and horn. It was the first that was the first buck I'd ever shot in the high country. And that that kind of is kind of what lit the fire to to go back and you know do it again. And that following year, uh, I just happened to bump into a couple of really good bucks and eventually uh, took one like mid mid October in 2012, which is still one of the one of the better bucks I've, I've taken. Uh, in same the area, roughly and uh, R- roughly, the, yeah, roughly the same yeah, area. Exactly. Just right on the other side of the ridge, like quarter mile away. Okay. A little bit more. And, and it was just in an area that, you know, I, I like I've done a ton of glassing up there. I just wasn't glassing effectively enough, but I, I was seeing these de- these deer that I'd seen. I, I saw two really good bucks other than the one I shot mm-hmm. and they were in some relatively open stuff that I thought, man, this, this is, I should be able to find these deer mm-hmm. by glass. And that's when I finally just, you know, dedicated myself to, to trying to, to find these deer from a distance. No, no more, just wandering through the woods, hoping, hoping to find one. You know, I, I just decided that, you know, I need to find out a way if I'm going to, if I'm going to be successful doing this, I got to find a way to locate these deer Yeah. before they find me and, and from a distance <laughs> and, and go from there. And uh, so is that glassing, is that your primary uh, tactic when it comes to scouting and, and even during the hunt? Yeah, that's, that's all I do. You know, I will occasionally in a new area, I, I will just hike through areas that, uh, you know, I, I that to me look like they have good potential and I'll sneak through them and just see what I can see for sign and, and trails. And, and then if, if I, I'm creeping into an area and I, and I'm also looking a lot of times for areas that, you know, I can glass mm-hmm. and I will look for sign within them. And if I'm like, man, there's, there's deer sign in here, I, I should be able to find these deer then I will, you know, back out and get to an area where I can, I can glass it from. Right. And really spend some time there. 
So a challenge with, with that, that I, I know I've had, and I'm, I'm starting to choose areas, you know, when I do some e-scouting, um, I, I start, I'm starting to choose areas that, that have ridges, have basins, have terrain that is glassable, but the area that I spent, that I've spent the most time in, that I've had the most trail cameras in, that I've, that I've, that I, where I know the most deer are, is not glassable. It's timber. Um, mm -hmm. Do, if I want to be successful, do I abandon that and just focus on the glass, you know, glassable areas or, or is that a, where I just need to switch up the tactics then? So, um, I believe it was, uh, I don't know, do you know who Jason Carter is? Yeah. Uh, Epic, Epic Outdoors. Yeah. Um, I, I believe it was him. I heard, uh, one time talking about, you know, kind of your hunting style should match your personality. Right. Okay. Um, and some people can't sit still for hours in glass. Like that's just not their, their personality drives them nuts. So they just don't have the patience or the, or the, uh, the focus to do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And they need to move more. They need to see land more. And so I, I think that's, that's a, a big key. I think a lot of people sometimes try and force a style of hunting that maybe doesn't fit them. Mm. Um, some people are, and you've had some on your podcast, some people are really good at tracking. I have, I don't have the patience or time or skill to track. I've, I've never really dove into it too much, but mm -hmm. you know, there's tracking there's and still hunting is another, which if you're going to be hunting the timber, that's probably going to be your primary tactic is still hunting through timber. And mm -hmm. some people are really effective at it. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I don't, I don't move slow enough. I, 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 I can't get my body to slow down enough to, to, to truly still hunt. Yeah, no, I'm, me neither. My, my mind will start wandering. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm walking full, full steam ahead, you know, and right. I, I forget I'm even hunting. And then next thing I know, I look up and there's a buck bounding away and yep. <laughs> every time, you know, but some people have that ability to, you know, just really slow down and creep. And if you got a spot that, you know, you've got cameras in there and you're seeing bucks consistently and you can work the wind and get in there, um, quiet it can be really effective. And, and like you said, timber holds a ton of deer. There, there's a lot of deer in there. And I think there's even better bucks sometimes in that timber and in that mid elevation range than there is in the high country. Sure. Cause they um, can so, hide out. Yep. And just do the fact that these deer just don't really like the open too much. They, they really don't. They really like to be in the timber on the edge of the timber. Um, in you know a lot of our timbered areas are so thick that there's mm -hmm. really not much vegetation in them and they will use it for bedding a little bit but you know they're uh they, they kind of like to be on the edge of it and uh so yeah it's you know what, whatever whatever works for 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 you you know like i said like hunt, hunt to to whatever your person what works for your personality um for me i can sit in glass from one spot all day long Okay. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest keys to finding deer glassing uh, in the Sierras is just patience. Yeah. I mean, it can take hours and hours for something to, to evolve, you know, for, for the deer to finally work into or through the spots that you can see. Um, and it, it, it's, it's almost like madness when you're just looking at the same spot over and over and over and over again and seeing nothing, but expecting there to be a deer there. And 
And sometimes it does. It just takes hours of sitting there. And then all of a sudden, bam, there they are. And you might yeah. only catch them for, uh, you never know. Sometimes you just get a glimpse of them moving through that opening and then they're gone. And sometimes they'll stop there and feed for half an hour. You, you know, you never know. But that's, yeah. I mean, I, I did not really, I can't say I figured out glassing. I didn't, I, I didn't start to, to feel like my glassing was effective until, until last year. Um, what was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple times I was, uh, I was up on a high Ridge looking down into a basin and, you know, it was, it was all the right components. You know, I got up there before sunrise. I watched, you know, go, went through the, the period of gray light where you could barely see. And then, um, literally like two hours, two and a half hours later, I still hadn't seen any deer and I'm about to pack it up. I'm like, this sucks. And, and finally I look at a spot on, you know, on a hill about 800 yards away. And I've looked at this at least a dozen times, if not 20 and then boom, Hey, there's, there's five does standing right there out in the open. <laughs> yeah. How, where'd they come from? Um, and I hear some people talk about glassing, uh, this is a couple of the Arizona, you know, podcasts and they talk about glassing it down there in the desert and some of them, they'll say, oh, you know, glass for a half an hour and then move and then move and then move. Of course they're moving in their UTV or their, you know, their, their Jeep or whatever from ridge to ridge. So it's different terrain, but I'm like, I think like what you do, you can look at an entire, you can look at a landscape all day. And, and you never know at which second, which moment those deer are going to walk out into the open. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and I think a lot of it over time becomes kind of instinctual. I mean, it's not like you can be like, oh yeah, there's going to be a deer there first mm -hmm. thing in the morning, but just kind of instinctual about, you know, the weather, the time of year, the terrain, the habitat, everything you're looking at after a while of of being up there and finally, you know, visually seeing these deer and watching their movements, you can kind of get a pretty good idea of, of when and where, I mean, doesn't mean you shouldn't be, you should never leave a stone unturned out there. I mean, right. you should be looking anywhere and everywhere all the times, but usually when I'm looking at a, you know, a big Ridge, like I'll, I'll be glassing across the Canyon or just into a basin, there's always, a half a dozen spots where you're just like, that's, that's a Bucky spot right there. And what I is always, that? Can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, you know, kind of, it might depend on the year or the time of year. Um, you know, it's, it's usually a mixture of rock brush and trees is, is, right. is what it is. Which and is, shade you know, and shade and, that you can't see into. Well, you'd be surprised what a deer you know, we'll use for shade sometimes. I yeah. mean, you, know, you, you, a lot of times you would think, you know, oh, they're going to be in, in the, in the timber, but mm -hmm. they might just be able to tuck up underneath the four foot piece of brush, you know, sure. just be on the, the right side of it. You know, they might be on the West side of it first thing in the morning. And then afternoon they switch around and just go on the East side of it and catch the afternoon shade on it. Is, but, uh, is California August, you know, you know, a, a zone or early D zone archery is, is, is t the heat is, is that, is that a significant factor? And then is, is water going to be a big issue this year? You think? Um, I think water this year could be a little bit more of an issue. Um, I mean, are we talking, I mean, I, 
I really don't hunt low country too much, which yeah. I think probably could be more of an issue down in the, in the lower, lower country, mid country, high country. I don't really, I, I don't focus on water okay. at all. Um, but that being said, the majority of the, the good mature bucks that I find are always close, fairly close to water within a, sometimes usually within a few hundred yards. Now, when but, you say water, is that a, is that a, a running Creek or is that just, is, you know, a, it could be a seep that most people don't even see. Exactly. A seep. Um, okay. I mean, when you're up there, you'll just see those alder pockets of alders. Mm-hmm. Um, strips of them usually just coming down the mountain. It's usually got water in them. Not all of them do, but they might, it might just surface in a few spots through them throughout that, that strip. But, um, you, you know, the water might be underground mainly, but it pops up enough. But yeah. also up there, I mean, if uh, North slopes are always going to have tend to have more, more seeps, a little bit more water, South slopes, not so much. And then East, East and West kind of, kind of, you know, hit kind of somewhere in between, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of times, I mean, there's, there's water every quarter mile up there. I mean, those deer don't have to, they're not traveling for water. Right. Um, but they might be moving from kind of water source to water source as far as, uh, you know, where the, where they're, where they're hanging, their little, little core area that they're using for that day. Yeah. It's usually going to be somewhere pretty close to it. You, you'd mentioned, um, another time we were chatting about like the seasonal behavioral changes that, that you key in on. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm assuming that that's kind of like an August is different from September is different from October. What's, what are you looking for? What do you see there that that's important from a, a finding, finding bucks perspective? Well, you know, like starting in July, even, you know, I, I usually will start scouting in July. I don't, um, I'm pretty much just a weekend warrior, like okay. hunter. Uh, I'll just throw that out there. I mean, I don't have endless amounts of time to be out there. You know, I, I got a family, I got a nine to five job. Um, I've never taken a, a day off to hunt D zone in my life. I've never, you know, no it, it's always just been, yep, always <laughs> been weekend hunts um and just up until the last two years on a couple of other hunts is the first time i've ever taken any time off you know even for an x zone or you know b zone whatever I, you know, first time i ever took took any time off to, to hunt so okay but so for to me you know the earlier you can start the better because you know I, i'm not taking taking time off so i'll start early july if i mm-hmm. you know weather permitting if it's not still just loaded up with snow in the mountains but uh yeah. Um, once you, once you, you know, you get up there in July, you know, of course at that point they they got their, there's full summer coat in and, and, and they're starting to grow their antlers and, and they're still just kind of settling into the high country. They kind of might be moving through. So I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in what I see early July, not that they won't be there okay. during uh, archery season, but you know, they're, you start, it's when you start kind of getting out and you start seeing them and then by you know, early August, they're, they're just about done, you know, growing their antlers. So at that, that point they're you know, as far as their, their bodies go, they're transitioning from now kind of a combo of putting uh, fat on and growing antlers. They're kind of transitioning more to just 
putting fat on for, for the okay. winter for the rut and their horns starting to go, you know, they're starting to get hard horned. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that point they're, they start, I, I feel like they start feeding heavier. Uh, once they, once that their horns are just about done growing, I mean, they're, they're feeding pretty good up until then, but I, I feel like they start feeling that the squeeze, the push to pack on some more, some more fat. Um, for the winter in that. Does that mean they're on their feet more? I, I believe so. And all this, okay. is, you know, it's just from my, my observations, right. what, what I've seen. Um, and yeah, so th- this is, and I feel like, you know, over the years, it's, it's kind of all kind of lined up from, sure. of, from what I've seen. And uh, yeah, so they start transitioning once they start to transition to hard horn. And then they're also their, their winter coat starting to come in right after that. And I feel like they know, cause once they're, once they shed that summer coat and that winter mm-hmm. coat, winter coat starts coming in and they got a layer of fat on, mm-hmm. they don't want to move. Like they, and especially, you know, we got, you know, by that's, we're talking mid September now, uh, they're, they're hard horned. They're coming out of their summer coat. They got their winter coat on, they got their fat and it can be 90 degrees out up in the mm-hmm. high country. And, you know, that'd be like you, you and I out there in, in a park, uh, in, right you know, in September, like where you're, you're going to be sitting in the shade too. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not going to be out moving in the heat of the day. Your, your movements really slow down a lot more. And so, I mean, personally, I really like that last week of uh, archery season that that's probably my favorite time to hunt. Huh. Um, just because of the just the movement and the activity i see that time of year mm-hmm. it just seems to be more um and i'll uh, maybe i'll send you a video or maybe i'll post it later I, I think i posted it some years ago of a buck um that i mean just to watch that deer feed you know and this was that last week except for last week of archery yeah just to watch him feed i mean it's just like he's like pac-man like he just cannot <laughs> he can't get enough i mean he's just biting anything and everything in front of his face He's just stuff in his face and, and they'll, they'll be up for hours a lot of times in the morning, you know, at, at that time of year. And, and if you're, if you're lucky or we're lucky here and we get like a, a coldish kind of snap there that first, second week of September. Yeah. And that is, that is, uh, that's the time to be out. I mean, those deer, you get a little bit cooled down. They'll, they're, they're just feeding like crazy. I feel like. So, so with that, what we have like what, four, I think four weekends with archery season. Um, yeah. So if you go up the first weekend, is that, are you, are you more in scouting mode still? Like, like, okay, you see some good bucks, but you feel like they're going to, they might be easier to hunt or, or they're going to be more, they're going to have a tighter pattern, you know, two, two, three weeks later. They, they, they tighten up their pattern really like I would say that last week of September to early okay. October, like it, as the season wears on their, their, their routine just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, just because of their, like I said, because of their body fat and, and their winter coat zones and they just, are not wanting to move a ton. And I mean, I've, I've seen it many times up there where, you know, I've watched a deer for a, a good buck for, for hours. Yeah, feeding and never move more than thirty yards, even in September. Because to me, 
September deer, they're nocturnal and they're they're invisible. <laughs> <laughs> well, so <laughs> we're I, talking about California, Doug. Come on. <laughs> I don't believe in nocturnal deer. <laughs> no, I know. I know. They're um, not. I mean, they just I mean, definitely by the, you know, the definition of nocturnal, obviously they're they're not nocturnal. But no. uh I think a lot of people think they're nocturnal just because of the the lack of sightings. Right. And and the other thing, a lot of people run trail cameras and they're only getting pictures of them at night. Right. At that time of year. And right. I, I I really feel like the reason why you're only getting pictures of them is night, because like I said, if, if that deer is just using a 30 yard circle for an entire day, yeah. unless you have that camera in that 30 yard circle, you're never going to get a picture of him during the daylight. He's right. going to move out of there at night. He's going to transition to another little pocket. And that's when you're getting a picture of him. Yep. The next morning, first light, he popped up, you know, first light, he's, he's already in his spot and they, they're just, Unless you're looking in that exact spot, you're you're, you're not going to see them. They're not they're not going to walk across an open face. Right. Um, now, and if now you I'm do, talking, if you do put the camera in that spot, it won't be that spot for very long. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you know they they'll they'll move back and forth. I, I feel like a big buck has probably a half a dozen of those little pockets. Yeah. That, that they that they feel safe and secure in that they've used and they know if if. If they got to get water, like I said, that usually water is only 100 yards away, and usually they're coming off water right at, you know, from night, early morning, and then they just move off of it a little ways, and then they just mm -hmm. find themselves a, a little pocket of, of brush and, and timber, you know, what what they want to be eating, and they just they sit right there, and they'll yeah. just work a tiny little area all morning. So when you're glassing, are you trying to find those pockets? Is that is that what you're um which, well, it's which to, like, it's hard it's to hard. identify that pocket right it's like yeah. you can't just be like oh there's a little pocket there that could hold a buck it's just trying to find that buck and then you'll then when you watch that buck work that area then you're like okay that's that that's his that's his spot and you might be able to come back to it and sometimes uh you know they'll have several little tiny pockets like that within like a, a good sized ridge where you know from a distance you know one morning he might be 300 yards up higher, you know, and then the next morning he's, you know, a couple hundred yards to the right or a couple hundred yards to the left, but in the same general vicinity, but just sticking to one tiny little area that he's, he's in that morning and evening. Um, and like I said, these, these are, I'm talking more of a buck that's, you know, four to six years plus old, younger bucks, you'll see kind of cruising a little bit more. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll cover, they'll cover more ground. Mm -hmm. But eventually they'll learn from, you know, hanging out with some of those older bucks that, that just, just hang tight. It, you know, it's almost like they get lazy. I mean, I want to say they're, they're not lazy, but they, they just don't, they're efficient. That's, that's, sure. that's probably a better way of, of putting it. They're just efficient in, in the areas that they can key in on for those little pockets. They just, you know, they're expending the least amount of energy and getting the most energy yeah. From, from the food in that little area. Yeah. Well, it's, it's from a calorie, you know, budgeting calories perspective, it's efficient from a, a life, you know, life safety from a risk, predatory risk perspective. It's, it's efficient. They, they know their area. They've probably got the thermals, you know, they, they, they're, they're tuned into the thermals in that area 
how they, you know, how they change when they change. They're just, they've got it dialed. It's their, like you know, people say, it's their bedroom. Yeah. And I feel like that, that gets, you know, like I was saying, it gets tighter as the season wears on in July, you'll, you'll see him move a little bit more. You'll, you'll see him, you know, glass him in the morning and then maybe watch him go up and over a ridge and go over the other side or, you know, trip maybe side hill a ways to, to get to another area. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just out last weekend and, and was watching a few bucks and uh, in an area that I've watched bucks in before and, and they were, they were using it a little bit differently and they definitely were, they were traveling definitely more, um, you know, this last weekend than, than what I would typically see as you get closer to deer season. Do you subscribe to the, to the North slope? Do you, do you exclusively dedicate time to North slopes or do you, uh, or, or not like, cause I've, I've, I've heard the North slope thing, but I feel like I see more deer on South and West facing slopes than anywhere. Uh, I, they all hold deer. Um, yeah. I personally, I like an East and a West slope. Okay. Um, for, for several reasons. Um, one, you know, it, it, an east slope, you get the sun to your back, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and glassing is a lot easier. You know, you, you get you can get up on a ridge and if you're staring at an east slope first thing in the morning, it's it's lit up. Yep. And it's a lot easier to see. And typically an east and a west uh, slope is going to have finger ridges. And that finger ridge is going to have a north and a south slope on it. Right. So they might be working that east ridge in the morning and if they want to you know get in the shade in the in you know later in the morning they can just kind of drop down onto a, a little finger ridge and it, or they might just yeah they can just they can they can work it they got you know everything but a south slope mm-hmm. uh, or i mean everything but a, a west slope when they're on that east slope and the same thing on a west you know they got they got everything but an east slope and you know even sometimes they'll, they'll be there's always little pockets but for me an east and a west um, those are my, my go-to if, if I'm looking to, to, for areas, like if I'm looking on Google earth, I, I look at a lot of East and West slopes. Um, yeah. that being said, I mean, North slopes hold deer. I tend not to stay on South slopes too much early in the year. It's just, they're hot. Um, right. it's just really dry, but I mean, there's deer, there's deer on them for sure. But yeah, I, East and West are my favorite. Um, then probably North and then South. Got it. After that, yeah. but got it. Are you worried about the fires? Do you do you, do you get all triggered by the by the by the burns that are going on? Uh it's definitely uh, it's always a concern. Yeah. <laughs> um, not so much because uh, the areas I not not so much I'm worried about the areas that I hunt burning. Uh, it's just I mean now it's just whether or not we're going to be able to hunt, whether or not we're going to be able to you know whether they're going to shut it down. Yeah, and if it's just this smoke just kills the glassing. It's that that's the the worst part. I, I feel like. It's, yeah, it's right it's up there with being foggy. It just creates yeah. a layer of. <laughs> it's you get that, it's yeah, hard, it's just really, hard to see through all that. It shortens your distance up. You, I mean, you really got to get in closer to to what you're, you're what you're looking in to see if you got smoke. You know. Yeah, I'm optimistic. You know, I think last year at this time. I think I feel like region five, you know, all 18 of our forests had basically been shut down or, or close to it. Um, you know, I, I think fingers crossed, I think 
that they're trying not to show shut down entire forests altogether, but you know rather shutting down areas around the burns. So I'm uh, I'm optimistic. Part of me, maybe I'm just weary of, of people like just kind of losing their their you know losing their cool over over the fires. Um, it's obviously something that we've got to have better management in the state. Um, but hell, you know, lightning's going to happen. There's going to be fires in backcountry regions that are hard to fight or, you know, nearly impossible to just, you know, put out. Um, and so it's, uh, it's yeah, just one of those, it's one of those things. Those lightning storms, those to me are more, yeah, more of a concern than, I mean, we're always going to have fires popping up from whatever, whether it's some PG&E lines uh, going down, transformers blowing up. Uh, people driving down the highway and getting a flat tire and sparking yep. down the road and, and lighting fire. I mean, those those are always going to happen, but those lightning fires, those are the ones that can just really, just really be devastating. And I, yeah. I, I I'm a, I'm a bit of a weather nerd, so I'm always watching the weather um, for you know a, a bunch of different reasons. But I'm, I'm always watching, and and when I see any chance of any chance of thunderstorms in the mountains, I'm that that does get me concerned for sure. We I think I feel like we got lucky this what was that just a week ago, four or mm -hmm. five days ago, we had some some thunderstorms roll through and we yeah. had some light, lightning strikes and and I, I feel like we got pretty lucky. And so and it looks like maybe next week again. So Yeah. <laughs> the the flip side is that we do get some water out of it. I was surprised around fourth of July. Um we went up as a family we we're 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 tired of you know mortars going off over our house with the neighbors doing their stuff um at midnight and so we got two dogs and like we're gonna leave town so we went up to um about three thousand foot level you know just dinky little town in in d5 area for the first time got an airbnb went up there where nobody's nobody's gonna be lighting fireworks off um, and they weren't, which was good, but we, we took a hike the next, I think, we, I think we went on a hike on 4th of July and we parked at a trailhead and the ground was soaked. I mean, it was absolutely, the, the ground was soaked. All the, all the foliage was wet. Um, it was, it was refreshing because it has been so dry, but, but a good thunderstorm rolled through the night, you know, the day before and, and really put some water down. So. Yeah, I feel no, like that does. that might be our saving grace in the high country is some of those afternoon thunder showers. Well, the southern Sierras have been been getting hit pretty good. Um, yeah, they've been getting some some good uh, some good storms rolling through, and it we haven't gotten much here, say like north of Tahoe, but no, um, no, keeps things keeps things wet if you can get them. So, um, okay, so we're talking about glassing, and that's kind of a high alpine technique. But I also I've seen you you managed to close the deal on on what I would call timber bucks that are that are not up on you know granite ridges and, and not they're not at the timber line. Um, you mentioned that that your 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 hunt, hunt with uh, Kirk, one of your buddies, was was kind of specialty. What? How did you guys get a double? <laughs> I want to know that. Like, like, was it the same day you guys both both killed? Oh, it was a it was a one two three. Uh, oh my gosh! At the same time um, situation uh, that took a long time to develop. <laughs> okay. 
for that for that to happen and uh of course that's you know that was our hope not that we had like had these two bucks scouted out and we're going for them but you know after we did find them that morning that was our uh our hope yeah that, uh, that we were going to be able to do that and uh it was a it was a it was a full day and then some um on that hunt but uh uh-huh. but no so- really that that hunt itself i mean actually kind of kind of goes back um and i i, I was kind of thinking about it the other day and i was trying to think of a uh, when it was it was, it was probably about five years ago, six years ago. Um, I used to, used to post a little bit more on, on Facebook at that uh-huh. time and was, uh, kind of a little more involved in, in some of the hunting groups and pages on Facebook. And, and just one day I had a, a gentleman reach out to me and tell me, he said, Hey man, I, I'd really like to, to meet you sometime and, uh, and talk, talk deer hunting with you. I said, he's, he's been hunting the Sierras for, for over 30 years and, uh-huh here you know kind of in the local area and he's just like man i i just would really like to sit down and, and just talk with you sometime uh before i die huh and uh it turns out he had just uh been diagnosed with cancer and was on hospice care oh. and so i was like wow like this that's pretty amazing that this guy felt compelled to to reach out to me and wanted to share his a life of information of, of hunting yeah. these mountains with me and i of course I, I i took him up on it and uh we we made a made a plan to to meet at his place and uh yeah i sat down with him for for hours and uh you know and he'd, he'd mentioned it before he's like I, I feel like we've hunted some of the same places you know and then, sure and sure enough man we, we sat down for hours and just talked hunting and going through his old photo albums and he would show me pictures and I mean, pictures of the same ridges I've sat in glass, you know, and just like, I'm like, this, this is like amazing. Like we, we really did share some of the same, same hunting spots. And yeah, I'm, it's incredible. I'm, and I'm positive. I, I never did meet the guy or run into him out there, but I know I walked by his camp or drove by his camp. Sure. You know, uh, many times. I mean, he told me right where he liked to camp. And I was like, man, I've parked right there many a times and, <laughs> and probably parked right next to your, right by your camp and, you know, walked past it going to hunt in the same areas. And, uh, and he, uh, yeah, so he just shared with me a, a bunch of, uh, you know, just his information, his stories, um, you know, just talking migration. Um, you know, he was primarily a rifle hunter, you know, he okay. didn't, didn't do a ton of scouting, but just, you know, just always hunted the, the the rifle season and uh so we talked for hours and finally like towards the end uh you know we pulled out maps and google earth and we were looking at all (laughs) kinds of stuff and he pointed to this particular small little basin and he said i've never hunted this but i really feel like a guy could could do good in in this spot right here he's like it's just got it's got everything and you know i looked at it and i was like yeah looks looks good to me you know i was was like i'll I'll get out there and and check it out one of these days well we uh we parted ways and i think he he eventually passed about six months later but yeah uh, i it took a couple years before i finally got to that basin and uh it was it was late in the rifle season and i got there and i looked in there and i I saw some does and you know it, it looked pretty good but um you know i think it was the following year um I, I I had plans of going back and checking it out, but I, I kind of switched up my plans a little bit and I decided to to hunt over in the B zone that year. And so mm-hmm. I 
just kind of put off scouting and anything around here. And uh, I was just going to do the archery over there. And uh, a friend of mine, we were uh, doing a backpack trip over there. And a friend of mine that I went to high school with here, who'd moved to Idaho, uh, texted me randomly while we're out there hunting. And he says, Hey man, he's like, my, my dad's been up hunting in the Sierras this year. He's like, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good year. He's, he's seen some nice <laughs> bucks. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. And you know, this is, we'd, we'd been hunting for years before he'd moved to, to Idaho and his, his uh, brother had drawn some, some, uh, a good late season tag. And I'd went out and helped him with that. And his, his dad drew with the tag and eventually uh, a little bit later, and, uh, and, you know, we, we'd kind of always swapped hunting stories and, you know, if they've ever had a chance to go hunting with them, I did. And, uh, so yeah, he's telling me, he's, then he starts sending me some pictures of these bucks his dad had seen. And I was like, yeah, those are some, those are some really good bucks. Like, <laughs> I was like, does he, you know, is he hunting by himself? Does he, does he need any help? Like, you know, right. not because, not because I wanted to know the spot. Like I was just, does know, he need to tell like, me what the pin, where, where the Latin long is? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I just generally wanted to, to help his dad out. Like his dad right. you know, in his seventies and he's carry some meat. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, you know, I'll spot for you. I'll pack some meat out. Let's, you know, yeah. let's do this. Let's, let's get one of these. And, uh, he's just like, <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's, he's been out there for five days and he, he's done. He's got a, uh, Wyoming elk tag and he's going to be gone. I was like, Oh, okay. oh no. Like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. And then, you know, I didn't, didn't say anything else and he says well if, if you want to know where it's at i'll i'll tell you where it's at <laughs> and i was like well i was like well I'm, if you're gonna tell me i'm not gonna turn it down i'm not and, saying uh, no <laughs> and so lo and behold he tells me where the spot is and it, it is the exact same spot that that guy uh that i'd know a couple years earlier had told me about i mean oh my it, gosh it's a small area it is a really small area and it was on you know that exact same spot and i was like wow like, and he had told me about hunting this area, but you know, back when we were in high school, he, yeah. I remember him telling me stories. Oh yeah. We went up there opening weekend and saw a couple bucks and didn't get one or, you know, whatever, but it was, you know, it always sounded like it was a pretty decent spot. But, um, so yeah, he tells me about that spot and I was like, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> like, this is like, I, I just like, it, it just blew my mind. Yeah. So of course now I'm like, well, I got to go up there and look at this spot now. Like I'd already been there once and I'd planning on going back and so uh, i think it was the second to last week in archery season i get up there and i had my uh my son with me so he would have been <clears throat> i think six at the time okay and so i just brought him along with me um and it's, it wasn't obviously got my six-year-old it's not like a <laughs> a, a backcountry way back in their spot but it's right. a, it's a spot that you can see from a distance pretty good so i thought well i'll just take him up there with me and you know we'll, we'll see what happens and it was more of a just kind of almost like a scouting trip sure and we get up there and, and i'm glassing and i'm 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 looking at the pictures he'd sent me of the deer you know and i'm looking around i'm like well, where in the heck is he looking at you know i'm like trying to just judge by the, the 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 foliage and the pictures you know and and what i'm seeing glassing and i'm looking yeah. all around and i glassed from 5 36 until it was like 9 30 and i hadn't seen a deer and you know, this is probably four hours sitting in one spot. And like uh -huh. I was saying, sometimes it just takes time to develop. And finally, about 930, I mean, I, I spotted with my naked eye. I looked over and I was like, man, that looks like a deer right there. And I instantly, I'm like, that's a buck. And I pull yeah. up my binoculars and out steps three big mature bucks just appear out of nowhere, out of the brush. And they're standing in this strip of green 
feeding. And I, I was just like my does. It's just like my <laughs> does, but the difference between three big bucks and five does is, is everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, you know, kind of, kind of blew my mind. Kind of, I mean, every time I see a, a mature buck of it, it's kind of surreal. It's like, wow, yeah. this, this is happening right now. And I got to watch him for probably a good half an hour as they okay. just kind of fed on the edge of this opening kind of back and forth. And, uh, and I, and I knew I was like, there was no way I was going to stock these deer with my son, uh, with me. There was, there was no way I would take him over there to get in there. It was just a little too, too rough. And yeah, and I wasn't going to blow him out of there. Uh, anyway, I didn't want it. I still had time. So, so we, you know, we got some video footage of him, and, and my son got to watch him through the spotting scope some and, that's cool. And, uh, yeah, I spent a little time watching them and then got out of there. And so I made a plan next week and go back with my brother, sat up in that same spot. Same thing, probably glass till 11 o'clock that morning. Never saw a deer. Huh. Um, so that was like, well, I, it's like, I know they're here. So uh, Kirk and I made a plan. We go back there uh, opening of, of the rifle opener. Um, and that was, uh, that was two years ago. And that's when we got that snowstorm uh, opening day. Yep. So we got up there and, and, uh, surprisingly, uh, nobody around when we go up there to go camping and we get there the, the, the night before Friday night and set up camp and, um, opening morning, we get up and we get out there onto the point and it was windy. It was getting cloud. It was cloudy already. Uh, it was cold, uh, which is, you know, not our typical opener. And, uh, you know, it was windy and cold. And it's, it's hard to stand still or sit still in glass. Yeah. Um, in those conditions. And, and luckily, man, I caught a glimpse, glimpse of one right at first light, like gray light. I caught one, uh, feeding in some ferns right on the edge of some timber. And then it turned into two and I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, that's, that's two good bucks. But I'm like, those aren't the bucks I seen. Those aren't, okay. the, those aren't any of the three that we'd seen before. So I'm looking at them and, and I'm like, man, I, and it was hard to see because of the brush and, the, and the, uh, just still being kind of gray light but uh i'm like man one looks like a giant spike on one side and, and the other <laughs> one might be a four by four i can't tell but i'm like i'm, I'm looking at him more and i'm like man i really like a big spike I, I, I don't know what the heck that is. that's a big deer though like just huge body just you know just a kind of a unique deer which yeah. actually i did i thought it might have been one of the other three because one of them was a big uh two by three okay the ones i'd seen a week couple weeks earlier and i thought well maybe he had broke his three point, his fork off of his three point side. And it was just, now it just left with a big spike, but, uh, man, they, they, they probably fed for about 10 minutes, maybe on the edge of the timber and this little opening on the, like in some little bit of a brush before they drifted right into that timber right there. And I mean, I knew right then I'm like those deer, they're, they're just going to bed right there. They're not, they're mm-hmm. not going anywhere. And so that's the bedroom. That's, that's the spot yep. where they've just tightened it up to that little yep. that little that's spot where they, that's where they ended up that morning and that's where they were going to stay they, they weren't going to move they weren't going anywhere and so as soon as i you know as soon as we saw them move into that patch of t- it was a strip of timber as soon as i seen them hit that i was like that they're not going anywhere they're going to sit in that timber all day mm-hmm. there's they, they have no reason to go anywhere and so but we sat there and uh you know kirk's like well what are you gonna do and i said well we're just gonna sit here and we're gonna wait i said, i want i want to make sure they're not gonna move out of there we know they went in there now we just got to make sure they're not gonna come out like you know i, I want to see what the what the wind's doing and, and everything and and just kind of i don't know I, I for some reason something was telling me just be patient 
Right. There's no need to run down there and try and kill one of those bucks right now. You got the whole season ahead of you. But yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm usually not one when I see a, a really good buck. I'm instead of getting excited, I usually slow way down. I, I get a lot more patient, a lot more methodical about my approach. And because and, I, I approach it like I got one shot. I have mm-hmm. one chance because if I spook this deer, I'm, I'm probably never going to see it again. So we sat there for uh, probably another hour or two after that, after they went in that timber. And uh, we did uh, we did see spotted another hunter kind of down, not where they were at, but down kind of in the basin. And I thought for sure that guy was going to walk through that basin. Well, it turned out he was lost. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up wandering. Uh, he ended up coming up to us like this guy. I don't know how he got to us, but. Huh. Uh, we could hear him talking on the phone. It was it was really weird. He oh, ends up geez. coming up to us. Come to find out, he thought he was lost. He dr- left his truck in the morning, and he had somehow ended up on this other ridge. Got all turned around, and uh, so we helped him find his truck. <laughs> and we, you know, we kept waiting, and it was finally getting probably close to noon. And was he hunting? Before, oh yeah, he was hunting. Did he? he did he ask there. you? So have you seen anything? Um, no, he was more <laughs> concerned with just getting out of there. He, he was. He was really. He was down there on his phone calling his buddy saying, Hey man, if you don't hear from me in a couple hours, I'm, this is where I'm at. I'm lost. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like that's, and he was only a quarter mile or half mile from his truck. I mean, he wasn't, oh, dude. He, he kind of explained to us, you know, like, well, I walked off this bridge down this ridge and off this side and went down cross Creek. And I'm like, dude, you're probably just camped right over there. That's probably where your truck is. Right. So we helped him out and he, he ended up over that way. And so, yeah, so we waited, it was probably getting close to noon before I, before I decided like, Hey, uh, let's go get over there a little bit closer to these bucks. Let's try and get above them and see if we can look straight down into that timber and see if we yeah. can find them bedded in there. We made a loop around, kind of got to an area up above them and lo and behold, there's another hunter right there up, up above them. Um, but with no idea that they're there. And he, it was, he was an older gentleman. This guy looked like he was probably 80 years old. <laughs> he's kind of just kind of looking around, you know, and, uh, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not too worried about him. I don't, yeah. He's not going to go in there after those deer. So we, we ended up, we had to kind of scale down some cliffs um, and down a super steep hill. And we got down to some cliffs that were probably 150 yards above the timber where these deer went in. We had a good stiff wind coming in our face. Um, and I, I felt comfortable getting that close to him and, and, you know, and just kind of holding up there and before we decided to make our, our next move or just to see if they're going to come out. and. Uh, and we, we got there and we glassed all over what we could see, never, never could see him in there. And as we sat there, that storm just kept rolling in and it was probably sometime around uh, three o'clock in the afternoon when it started, it started raining a little bit and started yep. snowing, some fog rolled in, some low clouds. I remember that. <laughs> it we, started we, to spit, spit some snow. <laughs> yep. And, and we ran for cover. Like we yep. had to go. We, we bailed off of our little perch there and we had to go back and get underneath some, some fir trees to, cause we didn't even have rain gear on us. Um, didn't think it was really going to do anything till later that day or later mm-hmm. that evening. And so finally, after that kind of developed and, and passed an hour later, we walked back over to that edge and it was still kind of foggy. The rain had stopped and we sat there and, you know, kind of were waiting for the fog to clear. And I thought, well, I'm just going to kick back and, catch a little catch a little snooze well I, I i leaned back and i'm laying there and the next thing i know kirk's elbowing me in the side saying hey hey that, that buck is laying right there <laughs> <laughs> huh 
And I got up and I looked over the edge. Sure enough, there's one of those bucks laying there. I think it was like 90 yards right below us. Wow. And I had taken a picture when we got, when we sat there, I took a picture of that strip of timber looking down into it. And so here's this buck laying right there. And I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure that buck wasn't there. Like he must've got up and moved when that fog rolled in. And I'm going mm -hmm. back, I'm looking at my picture and I'm like, yeah, sure enough. He wasn't there. He just did that fog rolled in. He got up and moved and, and laid back down, but out in the open. And, and so we're, we're looking at him and it's the, the four by three. And mm -hmm. Bert's like, well, he's like, are you going to shoot him? And I'm like, no, I don't want to shoot that buck. And he's looking at me like, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, man? Exactly. He's like, you're crazy. And I'm like, well, it's, it's opening day. And I'm like, that's not the deer I want to shoot. I know uh you know three <laughs> to four other bucks that were in here that are better than that one and i'm willing to to wait wait for you know one of those better bucks and he's, he's like you're, you're out of your mind he's like nobody's gonna nobody's passing that buck <laughs> and I'm like, well and, you know and kirk he's, he's he's giving me the green light to shoot and i'm like you know i'm like no i'm, I'm not gonna shoot I said, let's just wait and he's he's i could see him just shaking his head yeah well, we're, we, you know, an hour passed by and we kind of kept looking at him and he's just, he's, we're, we kind of kept talking about it. And the longer we sat there and the more I looked at him, the more I was trying to justify kind of shooting that buck. Right. I'm like, well, I got this B zone tag. I could shoot this buck and then I could spend the rest of my time over there in B zone and, and, you know, try and get, I've never shot a, a, a true black tail before. So mm -hmm. that's kind of, kind of on the, on the bucket list. And I was like, I could focused on that more and we kind of hemmed and hawed and I thought and I don't know I'm I, I was right about the edge of shooting him right I'm like okay let's uh let's let I said all right I'm gonna shoot this buck I said let, let me get I, so I get my pack out <laughs> I throw my pack up on a rock and in in just about that time I throw my pack up on the rock and I'm getting my rifle settled in uh the fog rolls in and we can't see him and I'm like, all right, well, let's just wait. Probably be just, you know, a few more minutes and this will roll out. Well, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, the fog rolls out and he's gone. And Kirk just about lost it. Sure. Like, I can't believe we didn't shoot that buck and he's gone now. And he, yeah, he's, he's losing it. I'm like, well, let's just, you know, let's still get, it's still time. It's about five o'clock now in the evening. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm looking around and I, I get up and I look even closer and they're there that both of those bucks are 75 yards below us off those clips. That other buck had gotten up when the fog rolled in and they got up together and started feeding just directly below us. They're just right there. Yep. 75 yards. Um, and we're trying to, in the fog at that point, it was still kind of rolling in and out. And, uh, finally, you know, it just, they, it just worked out where they separated and got into position and, we both got set. And I mean, once that other buck appeared, I said, Hey, there's both of them. And I looked around, Kirk already had his gun on the, on the, <laughs> he already had his gun ready to shoot. And I was like, all right, well, this, this is our chance. And, and sure enough, one, two, three, bam, he dropped his right there. He broke his front shoulders and, and I got fine through uh, the lungs and he traveled a little bit and uh, disappeared into the brush right below. And uh, yeah, that was it. I was still unsure if I had if I had hit mine really good, but so we had to to get off of that cliff. We actually had to hike back up quite a ways and traverse over to get into a chute to get down to them. Wow. And uh, yeah, there they, there they were. We we found both of those bucks, and I mean, I was just in 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 total amazement, total awe of what yeah uh, how that how that all came together. There's some and, great. Uh, 
great pictures of you and Kirk and you and this buck, the buck, both the bucks on, on your Instagram. Was one of them a three by two or a two by, was it a deep fork or a, th- or a three by two? No, one was just a, he's a giant, well, I call him, a, he's a spike by four because eye guard on his spike side is up a little bit okay. higher than like your typical eye guard. It's maybe about five inches up. Yeah. Versus maybe like two or three inches up off the base. It's like kind of almost looks like, it's just to me, I, I just call it a giant eye guard. Yeah. But, um, but for spike by fork, I mean, I, I had a spike by fork within about 50 yards of me last year, but these antlers were like six inches long. <laughs> the, the buck that you shot has, has just some incredible headgear. Yeah. I think the spike was somewhere around 18 inches long. That's so cool. Yeah. And, uh, just a, just a really old deer and probably the, one of the biggest bucks I've ever shot body wise yeah. in state or out of state. It, I got more meat off of that buck than I think I ended up getting 75 pounds of meat off of that buck. Wow. It was, I mean, typically you get maybe 40, 50 off of a good one, but he was just a big old, uh, blued buck. Blued. Um, yeah. That, that's kind of that grayish, that, the, that shade of gray that almost looks blue. The coat. Um, yeah. But just a, just a really cool looking old buck. Kirk's buck was a really great buck too. And yeah. And that's when the, you know, the work really started right there. Cause we, we were at that time, it was, we were kind of working with the, against the clock there. Cause it was getting, getting close to dark and uh, we got them all cut up and, and loaded up in our packs. And like I said, that, that buck, like I, I could, I could barely get that pack on with that, uh, with that thing loaded down with that deer. And, and in fact, I ended up having to drop most all of it. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of there because that snowstorm hit. Yep just after dark and we were trying to get up out of there uh through the snow uh, yeah and it was the, dumping with the, yeah it was dumping we're, we're blinded with your headlight on when it snows like that you, you right. can't hardly see where you're going so you're blinded you're blinded by the snow you've got the the rack the head the meat and you're trying to get out of there and it's yep. it's well after dark oh yeah we it, we ended up dumping our i ended up dumping almost my entire deer kirk probably dumped half of his because we traversed back and forth through the brush Mm -hmm. uh for hours luckily we we brought our uh my wall tent and had a had a camp stove in there and yeah it got almost to like just a a life-saving situation there where we just had to find our way out of there right dumped all our most all of our gear and just finally found that passage back up out of there it was midnight before we got back to the tent oh so man we, uh, yeah we had to get back to the tent started a fire um probably dried out for an hour or two and got back up at first light and had to go back in there and, and get the rest of that meat out of there but yeah no doubt so you got i mean that that's a smart thing to do the obviously the meat's going to be fine it's in the it's in it you, you've got it broken down it's in a snowstorm so you're good there so you just went back in the morning to pick it up yeah so we uh you know kirk marked it on uh, on onyx where where we dropped our meat and uh we just continued traversing back and forth before we finally found our our, our passageway back out of there <sighs> dang and uh, finally got back to the tent and uh yeah that was uh it was a, that was a long day it was a long long day but uh it was, it was definitely worth it. <laughs> no, absolutely. And so, I, I mean, just like kind of magical, you know, the fact that, that this gentleman reached out to you 
you got to spend the time with him talking about hunting and, and he kind of planted the seed and then your buddy's like, Hey, we found some good deer, <laughs> you know, and, and almost forced it on you. Like, no, you have to take, you have to go look at this. It's the same spot. And, uh, you know, and I said, well, you know, I told him, I said, well, well, thanks, man. I, you know, I, you didn't have to tell me where these deer were. And he, you yeah. know, he's, you know, you, he said, you, you've helped us out on a number of hunts. He's like, I'm just returning the favor. And so uh, to me, you know, I'm usually pretty, I've had people tell me where, where big bucks were before. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't bring myself to hunt them. Right. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of a personal thing where I like to, I, I like to find my deer that I shoot. I don't look for other people's spots. I don't, you know, look for information. I don't ask other people where they go or where they hunt. I, I, I like to do it, you know, my way. Sure. But, uh, you know, when something like that happens, like, I mean, that, that was kind of more of, uh, you know, fate, I feel like more than anything. And, uh, it, it just felt right to, to pursue yeah. that for a lot of reasons that, for, that, yeah, that were, that were beyond, you know, that kind of came to you. And, and so that makes sense when that happens, you've got to do it. So if I'm, if I'm walking through this area for my first time, what am I seeing? What, 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 what about it would have, to- is there anything about it that would have told you this is a good area to slow down and look down this drainage or spend some time looking off this ridge? Like what, what about that area would be interesting for somebody that's trying to find deer? Well, uh, like, like I said, um, and it, and it sounds pretty vague, but a mix of, of rock brush and timber okay um it's just it's not a big timbered hillside it's not a big open brushy hillside it's just got a little bit of everything in it um and to me that's you know kind of kind of what i kind of look for i feel like a lot of areas that just you know, you look on Google earth or, you know, you see them from a, from a distance and you think like, man, look at that big, huge, wide open basin, you know, like that's mm-hmm. just your typical, uh, high country muley type of hunting, you know, mm-hmm. that you would see in a magazine or on TV is, you know, I, I used to be really drawn to those, you know, big wide open basins like that or open areas that, you know, were more conducive to glassing, but I, I tend to to kind of key in more on just smaller pockets. Um, those, like I said, when you watch those deer just work a 30 yard circle for an entire day, you realize like they don't need a big wide open basin. Right. All they, all they need is just a small little pocket of, of feed. And yeah. you know, th- this particular area, um, and you know, you know, earlier in the year, um, just, just lush green areas and i mean there's a lot of them up there in the sierras you know there's a lot of tons like tons of springs tons of just lush little pockets and nine out of ten of them aren't going to hold aren't going to have bucks in them or they might come through them you know occasionally but you just got to go from from pocket to pocket to pocket and and looking into them until you find one that the bucks are using that year i mean that same basin uh, I knew there was at least three other really good bucks in there. I went in there next year and 
didn't see a one of them. Really? Yep. And huh. um, whether I just didn't see them um, or they just used a different base in that year, I, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, you, you just got to, you kind of got to, I, I kind of got about three or four areas I rotate through. Okay. Um, that I know, you know, I've know pretty, pretty well, but I also like to kind of like test my, my theories a little bit on mm -hmm. what deer are doing and what they're using. And I will go into new areas that I've been like, man, I've never been there before, but if everything's telling me there should be some bucks right there in that, in that pocket. And yeah. I'll, you know, I, I will, I'll go kind of, kind of test those theories on areas that I don't know, you know, that I'm not familiar with. That's easy, you know, once you know an area to kind of predict where they're going to be. Do you do but, a lot of e-scouting? Like if, if, if you, if, you know, I, if I handed you a tag for a, a new zone, um, would you do, do you do a lot of e-scouting or, you know, what's your, what's your mental process of elimination to get you to at least a place that you're going to park your truck and start walking? Uh, I, I do a fair amount of e-scouting, but I, I find myself looking back in the same places uh time after time okay um just trying to find out more about the areas you know what, what am i missing you know if i've seen deer one year in there and they're not there the next year I, I usually like to feel like they're within a mile or two you know so it's like well it might not be in that basin that year but there's another basin right next to it there's another one next to that one there's some pockets in between you know what what you know what are they using this year? And so I will like continually just keep, I'll have like a kind of like the epicenter mm -hmm. of, you know, of, of what I know. And then I'm looking, I'm searching around it, you know, trying to, trying to piece it all together. Like if, well, if they're not here, they got to be somewhere else. They're in one of these other pockets somewhere. And so right. I will, I, I, that's, you know, usually if I'm e-scouting, that's kind of more of what I'm doing is just trying to kind of broaden the area that I already kind of know and just trying to kind of piece it together a little bit more and try and figure out if, you know, where, where, if I'm not seeing them there, that they're somewhere else. And I, yeah. and I do look at, at some new areas, um, you know, occasionally I, I, I mean, I'm always dreaming, but that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, I always, it's just so many places and so little time, you know, no, absolutely. Um, I I've got in, in a lot of time, you know, people ask me a lot of times, you know, about different places and, and if I know somebody's really putting in the time trying to, you know, find some areas or some places and, and, and they're, they're putting in the effort, you know, I'll, I'll throw a place at them. Sure. Know, and they just be like, Hey, go try this spot. Uh, do I only, you know, only one, uh, one catch. If you see anything, you got to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> at least, but I'll, I'll, at least I'll, report uh, back. Yeah. I report back what you see, you know, and it's like, you know, cause it's like, I got, I got too many, too many places and, and not enough time. And, you right. know, so just let me know if it works out. Like I'm probably not going to go back there, but right. I like to know if at least what I was thinking was uh, right or not. <laughs> yeah. If I had a good hunch, it, it's yeah. funny. The, the report back thing is funny. You know, people jump on Facebook and like, Hey, I've never been here. You know, just give me some ideas. I'm going to scout. I'm going to, I'm going to do some scouting, but uh, looking for some tips. I'm, I always been like, I want to say, Hey, since you said you're going to do some scouting, these 17 people gave you tips. Are you going to report back to us how your scouting turned out? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I never, I never see those posts. 
no. hey, I just got back and and y'all helped me out. And here's what I found. And here's some pictures. And this is where I was. <laughs> right. They go silent. So they find something. They're not going to tell nobody. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, and you can usually tell, you know, the, the guys that are fishing versus the guys that are just really looking for some some information to, uh, you know, they're just looking for information to to be more successful. Well, you know, and the, the only way to ask questions on those forums is to provide some information before you ask your question. Like you, you got to give enough background. And this is this is this is Mike's Facebook group question tip of the day. You got to ask and you got to present enough information that demonstrates that you're actually trying and you're, you're you've you've started the process and you're presenting this is where I am and this is the barrier I'm at. Can you help me get over this barrier? <laughs> you know, yeah. and if the barrier is the starting line, then you're not going to get Jack. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I don't have much time to go out. So, you know, right. You could uh, just tell me where some porket horns are. I, right. I, 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 no. I just want to shoot a porket horn. I'm not looking for a big one. It's like, well, yeah, you and 33,000 other people. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Well, if there's a forked horn, there's also that forked horn's, you know, br cousin or brother that's, that's, you know, a hundred yards away that we all want. <laughs> so like that story, um, besides being just an awesome hunting story, I, I look at, um, here's my takeaway. I look at these areas, like I love looking like the big high mountain ridges and basins. And, and when I draw a, a, a circle or a polygon around an area on a map, I'm often looking like, you know, oh, hey, there's 12,000 acres, <laughs> you know, or it's only, it's three miles along a ridge and, you know, two miles off each ridge. Um, and all of a sudden it's, it's this massive area that I could never actually hunt um, all of it. And what I need to do is it's, I'm probably right that it's, it's a bucky area, but I need to start looking for like the, the 200 yard, or the 100 yard square pockets inside of that zone. And start me like I want to I want to you know I'm gonna dig in to this pocket and this pocket and this pocket, um, and you know and it changes like that's going back to just like the the opportunities and in, in, in this state. Um, I mean, when you're talking the Sierras, I mean we're you know you're talking from say you know the Feather River drainage to the north all the way down to Mount Whitney, right? Yep. I mean. And it, the, the habitat and everything changes so much from one end to the other and the deer even change, you know, as, yeah. as you go further South, the deer are more, are more muley versus the further North you go, there, there's a little more, there's more blacktail influence. And so, you know, it, none of it's a, it's a hard, fast rule, you know, for up and down the Sierras. I mean, you got. Oh, you muted. Uh, it's a beautiful high country down yeah. down south that is just your typical mule deer country and you know they're gonna they're act gonna act and behave a little bit differently than the deer you see you know on the north end of d3 you know right. and even the north end of d3 and the south end of d5 are completely different yeah uh, habitat and so yeah just you know and that, that's been kind of I'd say, you know, maybe one of the keys to my success is, is not, not trying to cover too much ground. Um, you know, I, th I feel like I, I see more people kind of subscribing to the theory of, you know, just, just hunt close to home. 
Like, don't worry about chasing some, some area or someplace, you know, and, and, and I do do it. I, like, I, you know, what I call like an adventure hunt where it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm going to go do a week hunt somewhere where I've never gone before. It's beautiful country. It's, it's something new, but like, you know, it, that's kind of more for the fun and the adventure, but like, I kind of take this, this area around home, like, you know, that's, that's my bread and butter. Yeah. Where I, where I really put the time in and, and because I, it's closer to home, um, I, I can scout more. I can put more time in there. I can hunt more. Right. And, uh, I, I think that's a huge, you know, advantage is being able to, you know, being close enough to the, the area you're hunting. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think for a new hunter that, that like just what you said, choose something that is as close to home as possible so you can be there as much as possible and, and learn it. Um, because to a degree and to a good degree, there's deer in all of our backyards. Like there's deer in all the zones, there's deer to a degree spread out through all the zones. And if you figure out, you know, maybe it's different time of year, seasonal variations but during the hunting season there's deer in all the zones and they're often throughout and so it's it's really a matter of how much time can you spend in that space dissecting it and learning it and understanding it and figuring out what the where those little pockets are so i'm i'm scouting this year for some x zone opportunities which i believe i'm you know i'm i'm with that are within reach and I don't know which one I want to pull. So I went and put trail cameras in them, uh, in a couple of, or I put a few trail cameras out in mm-hmm. these zones and I'm not, and I'm just leaving them there for like nine months oh, wow. and then I'll, then I'll decide where I'll go. And then, and I kind of have a strategy where I'm kind of, basically I've decided I'm going to start scouting and pre-scouting like two to three years out no, that's, before, that's smart. That's before smart. I actually will be there. Um, blows, blows me away the, the the time and and money people invest in you know trying to get a tag and, yeah. and never setting foot into it until they actually have the tag in their hand yeah uh, i'm i'm always you know i'm always scouting uh future future uh draw zones yeah and i and i switch it up you know occasionally too like i you know i i think i've now hunted like five five different x zones really yeah dang over, you know, over the course of you know my hunting life here in california yeah so i you know i i switch it up and um of course i got areas that i would like to hunt more than others and but whether or not i want to wait for the tag or hey, maybe there's a good burn just happened in this zone like maybe i should go hunt that or right you know, or maybe an area got uh isn't producing like it used to so i might move over to some other area that i've i've seen and and i've got a uh fairly similar situation uh not not quite as like that last story uh, of kirk and i but I, mm-hmm. I found a wallet one time uh out scouting for a deer hunt and i returned the wallet to the guy and uh uh-huh. just kind of jokingly i told him i said he, he wanted to give me uh, some money for returning his wallet and i said I, I don't want any money i said just tell me where i can find a big buck around here <laughs> and he turned around and he pointed off to this mountain and he said right there He's right like there and i said well that's awesome, but I don't have a tag for that unit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I never forgot it. And uh, four years later, I killed a 180 inch buck there with my bow on that same mountain. No way. Yeah. I swear oh, to God. <laughs> that's incredible. 
Yeah. And so, you know, you always got to be, you know, open-minded and, and not be afraid to, to switch it up and yeah, uh, you know, I, I, that's, you know, like I said, the, the diversity in this state, um, there's just so much different habitat and country that you can hunt that to me that's that's one of the hidden gems here is uh you know being able to hunt on the coast you know yep. with the ocean in the background like hunting rainforest type of country to hunt in the river bottoms in the sacramento valley to hunting yeah 12,000 13,000 feet um you name it like we, yeah. we desert it all, all yeah, of it to the so yeah. I, I, we're, we're getting close on, on time for, for us, I think, but you just said, you reminded me of something I've wondered. You said 180 inch buck. Are you a score guy? Are you into the score? What, where, where does that, where's scoring fall into your kind of your, you know, your thought process? Um, I, I don't really care about a score. Uh -huh. I just kind of, I, I like to know just for reference. Um, I don't go out there with the thought of, uh, you know, I, I don't, I want to shoot 180 inch buck or 190 inch buck, whatever, but right. well, we all it do. Really, it comes down to, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever floats my boat. Yeah. Um, but you know, like that particular, that particular deer, I mean, I, I had, a. I either, I just wanted to shoot an old buck, whether it was a heavy, just, I mean, I would have shot just, any, you know, a heavy three point. Like just an sure. old, heavy, I just wanted something with either mass on that hunt or something with, with some extra points. Cause I've never really shot a good non-typical and, and that buck mm -hmm. ended up being that he was a six by six. Oh, okay. Um, and so that, that was it. I mean, he was only 20, 23 inches wide, I think. And that goes back to where I said, uh, I had a guy, uh, told me where a 30, a 30 inch buck was. And I went out and found it. I got videos and pictures of him, but I just couldn't, I just didn't want to shoot that buck. I didn't want to hunt him. <laughs> wow found that other buck and you know i was That's like well it. i found this buck and it was in the spot that you know like i said that guy had pointed me to that area and then just yeah. everything about it seemed right and i and i got him opening morning yeah um but you know that huh. was just uh and it same goes for you know hunting d zone too like yeah if you're hunting for score in d zone you're going to be hunting for a long time because it's hard to right. find something to score good but not that you can't i mean there are some you know some good scoring bucks but i i i just like to try and hunt older bucks and something with some character that that's that's what i like yeah that's my hope that's my hope for my first buck an older buck not not a not a not a one and a half year old spike by fork um yeah i think that's what i had within you know almost within reach last year and i didn't i paused because i thought about it and then um and and that 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 pause was my decision effectively because the deer you know the deer took advantage of me pausing to think about it um, but I could, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you if I saw, like, I, I did see a, what I thought looked like a fairly mature, big bodied three by three last year, at like 500 yards. And I couldn't tell you if that buck was a 90 inch buck or 150. I have no freaking idea. And then an uh, hour later, uh, a four by four that was actually smaller more of like a basket horn antler, you know, smaller antler, but a four by four walk past me. And I, I have no idea. And so I kind of like that right now. I don't have any idea. Cause that's, it's going to be, does this buck speak to me? Like, does this buck have some character that tells me it's, it's not, 
a yearling, <laughs> you know, it's not, a, it's not, it's, an, it's a little bit older and does it have some, some character to it? Yeah. That, and is it legal? Be, is it legal? Yeah. Cause really my first buck, it might just be a legal buck. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, somebody might bash you if you, you know, when you post it online about shooting <laughs> some little thing, but you know, who, who cares? Um, I won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be like, first, my first buck I shot in the Sierras was a, you know, a year and a half old fork and horn. And I was yeah. hooping and hollering. I was, yeah. so, I was so excited to finally get one that, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it back. I, I was just, I was really excited. I, I, you can see it in the picture, man. I had, I had a smile from ear to ear with that little yeah. fork when I shot. It was, you know, that was it. I yeah. Was, I, was five, nine. Finally, I will know. I will know how much work went into it. And I, I will be like, you know what? This is, this is the buck. <laughs> this is the buck that's been waiting for me. And, and the hundred days of, of work that went into it or more. <laughs> well, you're, I, I got a feeling you're, you're really close to, to finding some, some success. <laughs> I think I am. I, you know, and the, and the thing really, I, I guess maybe I've just gone philosophical on it or, 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 you know, I just truly, I like being out there. I, I like the process. You know, every year has been, I've gotten closer every year. Um, last year, I didn't take any shots on deer the year before I did. But then last year, I got my, my, my bear um, and I saw more deer last year than I'd ever seen. So I, you know, it's going to come together. Um, and uh, I, I like the process. So it's it's all good, either, really, either way. My kids, my kids give me a hard time, like more more bow hiking. But yeah, well, I mean, I've I've gone okay. years without killing bucks. You know, I think I went from like 2016 to 2019. I think I went two two seasons without shooting a buck in D zone. Yeah, um, just yeah. you know, I mean, I had some opportunities at some some smaller bucks, but they just didn't. You know, wasn't what I was looking for. But sometimes that's just that's just the way it is. <laughs> yep, that's that's the numbers. And if you look at the look at the the harvest statistics, uh, they're. Uh, it, it it tells the story that's it's a tough game out there but uh hey that's why hey hunting ain't easy right in california exactly. <laughs> no. you, you, you definitely earn you you earn it here in this state. yep absolutely on, on, on public land in, in in the high country there's no there's no doubt about that there's no gimmies up there yeah no no well hey doug i, I really appreciate um you taking some time with me and, and sharing, you know, your experience, your insights, that, that story is, is it's, I mean, it's freaking magical. Um, that, that your story from two years ago is really cool. And, um, I think there's some, there's, there's kind of philosophical lessons and there's hunting lessons in there too. So I appreciate that. And, uh, I look forward to seeing, seeing more of your, your scouting, uh they're on instagram and and hopefully some success this year at uh the sierra stalker at instagram so um love love following you there and and hope you have a have a great summer and fall and uh maybe we'll catch up after the season yeah uh yeah well, well thank you and, and i really uh i really uh like uh what you're doing with your podcast um you're really bringing bringing together some some good information, some good people. Um, and just, you know, hopefully we can get some more people to, uh, you know, just get on board with, we, I mean, we didn't even get into any of the, the, the hot topics with, uh, right. you know, management and, uh, 
just how all policy works and, and everything in the state. But um, yep. there there's a lot of misinformation on there about, you know, fishing game and and uh, yeah. and everything. And, and I think you you bring in some light to that and, and getting that word out there is, is important. Yeah, I and, appreciate uh, that. Yeah, no, I really appreciate what you're what you're doing. I just want people to like have some perspective, like like just slow down. Like you, you can't just vomit this. Like everybody hates us. Like a, most people don't even think about us. <laughs> like they can't hate us. They don't even care. <laughs> like that, and that's the biggest problem is they don't care. And so it's not that the you know it's not that everybody's against us. It's that we haven't we haven't done a good enough job of getting people to be with us. And so we got to like take the gloves off and start to understand what other people's views and perspectives are. We don't have to agree with them, but if we're triggered, if we're constantly triggered, then we don't, we don't give ourselves time to understand them and then how to, how to engage. Like it's just, there's so much that we can do. Anyways, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. We will go there another time. And yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that it resonates with you because uh, uh, that means a lot to me and it means that we're probably on the right path. Yeah, no, absolutely. So cool. All right, man. Well, have a good night. Um, maybe I'll we'll bump. Maybe we'll rub elbows up there in the uh, the D zone madness. Uh, you know, if I glass you from another ridge, I'm gonna I'll send you a text and let you know. Yeah, and I'll uh, yeah I'll tell you where they're at. Yes. On the other side of the ridge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. I'll All right, see man. you later. All right. Bye. bye. Okay, that's a wrap on episode nine with Doug Dreher. So happy that you guys stuck with us we may have had a couple of bumps and bruises there from uh, some audio quality issues but uh, no big deal that was a great talk and i uh, really enjoyed uh the conversation with doug so give doug some love over on instagram follow him at the sierra stalker at instagram and i think you'll uh, get as much out of as what he's posting as you did from this podcast um, over the next several months with deer season coming up um, you can find hunting ain't easy on Instagram at hunting ain't easy. That's easy to, to track down. So I look forward to, to seeing you over there and, uh, feel free to reach out, shoot me a, a message there or comment on some of the posts and, uh, love to get your ideas for, for content or questions that you've got and just very much enjoying your support. And the fact that this podcast is resonating with so many people here in California, um, Really looking forward to building a community of hunters who can can relate to and and kind of pull in the non-hunting public. Uh, we don't need to make them all hunters, but we do want to get their alliance and their support in, in what we do. And, and the more they can understand that uh, through the stories we share and the data and science that we participate in and, and whatnot, the, the better we're going to do with that. So... Keep at it. Get out there. Do some scouting. Slow down. Uh, look for those pockets of habitat, as Doug has told us, uh, work so well. Um, those small pockets where the deer hang out and where they really tighten up their pattern over the, uh, the months as we go from August through October. So thanks a lot, everybody. And we will see you with more of the Bear Series in the next couple episodes.